This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime at our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. We started talking, uh, this is part four, you know, and we may be done with this, I'm not sure yet, but this is part four, talking about the high ground. And uh, he chose the high ground. He chose to do what God's word says, to do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Even if it was just a small thing, maybe nobody would even recognize it, hardly. But choosing the high ground is always a choice that you and I will make, whether we choose the high ground or we choose not. But it is a choice that each and every one of us will make. So uh, let me read you a couple of verses. Uh, this Two of these verses will be a little bit of a review of what we were talking about. Then we'll go into some other areas. And I challenge you that as we talk today, the things we're talking about is relevant. You can take these things home, apply them to your life, and God promises in his word. And that's what we put a tremendous amount of emphasis in. It's what God has to say. It's life-changing for men, women, boys, and girls. Uh, anyhow... It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 24, it says, Friends, stay where you were called to be. God is there. Hold the high ground with him at your side. Hmm. Learn his ways, learn his thoughts. But I love, I, I never get tired of reading that particular verse there where it says, hold the high ground. Hold the high ground with him at your side. You and I were created in the very image of God. That's what he tells us in his word. And he says he'll never leave us, and he'll never forsake us. We may turn our backs on him, but he'll never turn his back on us. <clears throat> so high ground, it gives us a much better perspective of life and whatever it is we happen to be going through. You know, God's perspective is God's point of view. And when we get a hold of the high ground, we'll get God's point of view. And he'll lead us and he'll guide us into the best pathway for our individual lives. That's just the, the truth of it. So one more little verse here of a review. It says in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8, it says, and this is God speaking, it says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. That's God speaking. You know, they're so much different. And he'll never change his ways to be like ours. And he'll never change his thoughts to be like ours, but we can learn and we can change our ways, you know, to be like his and our thoughts to be like his. And it will bring about the transformation in our life. And he says in verse nine, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, God says, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And God has given us a book of his ways and of his thoughts, and we can learn them. And it's the manufacturer's handbook, okay? Amen. If you're going to tune your car or, or an engine or something, you know, or whatever it might be, you follow the manufacturer's handbook. And he has given us the manufacturer who created us in the very beginning. He's given us his handbook, and it works genuinely. And that's the way you and I, you know, obtain his perspective, we, we get his point of view. We lay hold of the high ground as we're learning his ways and, and learning his thoughts. And that's a 
spiritual, spiritually mature perspective. You know, if I'm not mistaken, we talked about not only the high ground last week, but we talked a little bit about the high chair. All right, so it's still here. We can't get, totally get away from it yet. And we know that some will cling to the high chair while others have already made it to the high ground. From the high chair, it's, it's talking about infancy. It's talking about immaturity. And, and here you're kind of incarcerated. Seat belts and all this tray holds you down. You can see the high ground. You can see the promises of God, but you can't quite attain to them because of immaturity. But you can grow and we can mature and become all that God wants us to be. Um, Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 says, I've got my eye on the goal. Hmm. I've got my eye. I mean, we're talking a little bit about vision here. He says, I've got my eye on the, the goal. You know, I'm looking at the high ground. i got my eye on the goal. You know, and... And really that goal is is very close relationship, a close friendship with Almighty God. He welcomes us into that. He genuinely does. God is not some nebulous power out there that you hope you can access when you have a problem. I'm talking about God genuinely invites us into friendship, relationship with himself. He cares about us. He cares about every little detail of our life. And it says, I've, I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward and upward. He is beckoning us onward to Jesus. He's beckoning us. He's tugging at our heart. And there are lots of times in people's lives, there's this hollow, you know, this empty spot inside. And we try a lot of things to fill it, but it don't satisfy you know, that's why we have so many tag sales and stuff, right? It's like, that don't do it no more. I'm going to get rid of it, you know. But we try to fill the void, the emptiness in our life with other things. Christ alone can fill that spot. There's a Christ-like hole in all of us. And nothing else but he and friendship with him can uh, satisfy us. Now, I got a question here for you. Have you ever identified what's holding you back? From the high ground. What's pulling you back down, pulling you away from God? Are there things that get in our life to try to distract us? Absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt, there are. Now think about what some of those things might be. Our appetites, our desires, habits. Could those come between us and God? I think they could. Lust, pornography, Deception, you know, lies, guilt, you know, regret. All these kinds of things can come in there between us and God. And, and the enemy of our soul is always trying to lie to us that God's mad at you. And I can tell you one thing beyond a shadow of a doubt. The Bible says to share the good news. And the good news is that God loves you. He's crazy about you. And he'll forgive you for whatever. Don't matter. He'll forgive us. And he'll strengthen us and help us to make right choices in the future because he loves us. He's crazy about us. He genuinely is. And that's the good news. God is not in heaven with a big stick looking to clobber you over the noggin because you stepped out of line. That's not the way he does. You know, and you can learn that in his book, in the manufacturer's handbook. So I just jotted down a few things. Uh, think laziness could come between us and God? 
I think he might, you know. Unforgiveness, ooh, boy. It's in the, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, it's talking about forgive me for my sins the way I forgive others. If you're not forgiving others, you're asking God to forgive you the same way. You know, we have to forgive others in order to be forgiven. So basically, we're talking about sin is what becomes between us and God. Fear. Does fear control your life? You know, we're anxious, we're worried, anxiety, you know, and we're fearful and all. And it can come between us. But when God tells us he's not giving us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind, and he wants to be there for us. He says in his word, we can come boldly to his throne of grace. It's right here in this book. I'm quoting it word for word. Come boldly to his throne of grace where we may obtain mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. We can. He said we can come boldly in the name of his son, Jesus. We can come there and he will help us. That's what he promises us, you know, throughout his word. So anyhow, what other things, you know? Uh, I was asking Susan, she said, well, clutter. Because we have a class that the ladies are going through on Saturdays about how to declutter your home and your life. And, you know, uh, have you ever had so much clutter you couldn't find anything? That's why I have... Five of many things, because you can't find one, you go buy another one, right? You know, but there's things, anything that comes between us and God, and it can be anything that comes between us and God can put us at a distance and can hinder us, you know, from laying hold of the high ground. Okay, let me read it one more time. It says, I've got my eye on the goal hmm, where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running toward the high ground. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. I, I, I'm intentionally, and the scripture tells us to do this, to forget the things which are behind. Now, we know that's the bad things, but do you know something? Sometimes the good things hinder us from forward. Well, once upon a time, I ran a race. You know, it was 25 years ago. Once upon a time, I did something really good. It was a... And sometimes we can rest on our laurels and we can let our accomplishments of years gone by cause us to be stalemate and not do anything else in the future. So sometimes we just need to forget not only the bad, but we need to forget the good if it's hindering us from going forward. So he says in verse 14, I'm off and I'm running and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused our mind but our eyes, let's keep focused on the goal. Now, we're talking about focus here. We're talking about having vision, you know. Now, do things ever get out of focus for you? Have you, anybody here wear glasses? At least I do. I can, I actually cleaned my glasses last night. I didn't clean them in three days. I couldn't even see through these things, you know. So what happens sometimes, you know. But I've noticed something. Oh, I already took the cap off. That's the part you're supposed to leave on there. All right. <laughs> this is guaranteed to clean your glasses. It's not really helping at the moment for some reason or another. Let me see here.
Now, do you ever use something to clean the blurriness off of your glasses? What about this time of the year? Does anybody use that windshield washer on your, gla- on your windshield? On the windshield, not on your glass. It might work there too, you know. Put your face out there beside the windshield and let it. Uh... But, uh, you know, when things start warming up and the ice is melting and the roads are all filthy, dirty with the salt and the sand, and then it warms up and the car ahead of you is with his tires just slinging dirt up on your windshield, and you go through that windshield washer really quick, right? You know? And boy, how terrible it is driving at night. When you got that stuff smeared, you don't have any more windshield washer. And your wipers is just smearing it, you know, and it's glaring off of the road and all. Hey, that's pretty good. Woohoo! Okay. So, from time to time, we do need to clear our blurry vision, right? Whether it's on your automobile or whether it's your natural glasses and things like that. And the Bible talks about, in the book of Ephesians, it talks about the washing of the water of the word. And sometimes our spiritual vision gets very dirty, gets very dull, very blurry, and God's word clears our spiritual vision so we can see life a whole lot more clearly. We can see God being on the move in the midst of our life. And from time to time, when things get blurry, we need to have some time in your manufacturer's handbook to clean up our vision, to see things from a better perspective, from his perspective, what I'm talking about. God bless you. Well, picking up here again in verse 15, it says, so let's keep focused on the goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us, do you want all the blessings that God has for you? Or would you like to get to heaven one day and God shows you this massive warehouse and he said, this is all the stuff I had for you, but you never asked for. You're going, are you serious? See, one of the keys of the manufacturer's handbook teaches us how to pray. It teaches us God's way and God's thoughts. And we can access the high ground and the blessings of almighty God if we choose, as a choice, to learn his ways. Then we can apply those things to our own life, you know. And a child, based on this verse here, it talks about let's keep focused on that goal, those of us who want everything God has for us. Now, a a child can continue to cling to the high chair. There's a lot of things you cannot give a child. They're an infant. They're not mature. And what we're talking about here is the men and women who lay hold of the high ground, there's a spiritual maturity that causes us to lay hold of that, that God can entrust us to car keys. And many, many, many of his blessings he wants us to have. But as long as we're immature, we'll not access many of those things. Anyhow, he says, verse 15, so let's keep focused on that goal, those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, well, God will clear your... Blurred vision, if you let him. He'll not do it against your will, but he will clear our blurred vision so we can see. We can get a little glimpse. We can have God's perspective. Well, Lord, what's your will for me? And God will give us a glimpse of what his will is for our lives. And he'll clear our vision if we'll allow him to do so. You see, you know, a child starts telling mom and dad, I can't see that. That's, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. 
You take them to the eye doctor and they fit them for a pair of glasses, right? And say, wow, I can see now, you know. I know Susan's brother, many years ago, when he finally went to the eye doctor, he was in school. He never knew there were stars in the heavens. Never saw one before. A lot of people don't even know there's leaves on the trees. They just see a big green blob, you know. But we can clear that vision. But spiritually, it's even more important to get rid of that blurry vision, you know. And, and I was going to ask you, don't answer this out loud. I said, don't answer this out loud. I said, don't answer this out loud. But is your vision, your spiritual vision blurry? Thank you. There's always somebody who's answered anyhow, you know. Like, so your hearing aid, your spiritual hearing aid is working good too. You know, that's God. Okay, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, it says, for husbands, this means, the manufacturer's handbook talks about husbands, wives, talks about the whole family, talks about the whole situation, how to be the best, you reach your full potential. But here, it says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And we know how he loved the church. He gave his life. It says he gave up his life for her. Jesus did to make her, torment the church, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing. That cleansing water we're referring to, washed by the cleansing of God's word. King James Bible says the washing of the water by the word. So Jesus, he purifies us and cleanses us. He says here. You know, by the washing of the water of the word, when you and I go to the manufacturer's handbook, our faith will increase. Our wisdom will increase. You'll begin to see things a little bit different. From a higher vantage point, you'll begin to see that because there's some maturity developing there. You know, but as long as we stay in the high chair, we're not going to see it and access it the way that we could. Now, he tells us here in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, he says, so then faith... It comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes by hearing God's word. Christ speaks, you hear, faith comes. And the Bible says all things are possible to those who believe. Christ speaks, you hear, faith comes. Christ speaks, you hear, faith comes. That is guaranteed throughout the Bible from the beginning to the end. He teaches us that faith comes by hearing his word. Christ speaks, you don't hear faith don't come. So if you want to increase your faith, you got to hear what God's saying in his word. Manufacturer's handbook. It changes our lives. You know, so it says here in Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there is no visions, the people perish. Do you have vision? Or are we just running aimless, running circles? It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Can you see things the way God sees them? Boy, that's life-changing when you can see the way God sees things. He goes on, let me read this verse again out of the Message Bible. In verse 18, Proverbs 29, 18, it says, If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Whoa. That's God's word. He says, if people can't see what God's doing, can you see what God's doing in your life? And, 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 and all those in your sphere of influence, can you see from day to day what God's on the move doing? And I am telling you, God is on the move. He's not some old gray-haired guy that you're going to bump into one day. You're going to find that God is relevant, extremely relevant, more up to date than tomorrow's newspaper 
And his word is relevant. He says, if you can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they, what's that word? Attend. It's like paying attention. When they attend to what he reveals, oh, wow. When they pay attention to what God's revealing in the manufacturer's handbook, he says they are most blessed. And he has so many blessings, just like you have blessings you want to pour out upon your children. You want them to reach their full potential. There's nothing you want to hold back from them, but you want them to be mature. You don't want to give them something that's going to hurt them. And there's sometimes you don't give them certain things because they're not mature enough to handle that as of yet. So as you and I reach spiritual maturity, there are so many blessings, the most blessed life you will ever experience. Anyhow, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. Proverbs chapter 4, it says, Dear friends, listen well to my words. Tune your ears to my voice. You understand tune? You know? Hello? Hello? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I got to turn it on. I'm sorry. Oh, here's the button over here. Turn it on. Hello? Did you just say hello back to me? Hello? He hears me. Are you really hearing me? Yes. Do you believe that God hears you? Yes. He does. But you got to tune in. This is, last night I was playing with a little bit, and I was going to put it on a different channel, but I couldn't figure it as digital. It's not these little things that you can just turn a knob up here. And I couldn't figure out how to get it back on, so I'm going to leave it on the channel it's supposed to be on, you know. But I do know with certain kind of radios and televisions and digital stuff, there are thousands of signals being sent through this room right now. And if you can tune into it, you can hear it. Are you still there? Yes. That's awesome. Did you know God is always there for you? Always. Thank you. I'll talk to you later. No, it's Ronnie. <laughs> okay, all right. That's awesome. But listen what the scripture says here. Proverbs 4.20, it says, Dear friend, listen well to my words. Well, you got to be turned on to it, you know. And then he says, tune your ears to my voice. Now, you know what a mama, mamas are amazing. You know, you can be in a crowd of a thousand people and your child is over here and they're, Mama, where are you at? Okay, you know, she can hear your voice. You know, she's tuned in to hear her kid's voice. But we really need to tune in to hear God speaking to us because he loves us. He's our father, our heavenly father. 
He genuinely is crazy about us. Anyhow, let's pick up at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. It says, there is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are, what does that say? Spiritually dull. Hmm. And you know what? When we are spiritually dull, we're not going to be tuned in properly. What's going to happen if you give a, a two-year-old child a walkie-talkie there? They're going to put it in their cereal, you know. And, but they're not necessarily going to know how to tune it in. But as we mature, we're going to figure out how to get tuned in to God. And he says here, there is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Immaturity. Those who don't listen to the voice of God, it's immaturity. Regardless of how old you are physically, we're talking about maturity on a spiritual level. And then he goes on to say in verse 12, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk. Actually, I need a volunteer. Sample this, you know. We actually had a, a young girl in the service last night, and she's in, I will, you know, this little girl. She's so cute. But is anything wrong with milk? Nothing. But if that's all you ever eat, you will not reach your full potential. You need some other things in your diet, do you not? Milk is where we all start. And I can tell you what, I like to throw a little flavoring in there, you know, put it in the freezer and turn it into ice cream. And I can go for that, you know. But you know what? Milk will never satisfy us, will never bring us to maturity if that's the only thing we have and spiritually is what I'm really referring to. So he says here, uh, you are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. So I was going to take you out for a dinner somewhere, okay? We're going to go out to eat. You want us to go somewhere where they give you a glass of milk? That's it? No. You want some more, right? I got it. Sweet potato, now sweet potatoes not too bad, but I do know some. Here's squash, you know. There's squash and sweet potatoes. What's this? Oh, bananas. But I learned something years ago. The baby food industry got really reprimanded, big time, because in all these things that you're, some of this looks pretty decent, you know. Uh, yeah. Oh man, that's that was apples and. Berries, you know. That's pretty good. I just need a volunteer. <laughs> Let's see what this one was. Prunes, okay. <laughs> I ain't gonna eat it. <laughs> I usually try anything, you know, like eat during the service, but I'm not gonna eat it. Enough right now. Um, well, what they used to do, the people manufacturing baby food used to season it really well with salt, lots of soft and things, because they knew the mama, before she gives it to her baby, was always going to go, 
what I'm not going to do right now. It's like, she's going to taste it. And lots of times baby food, because the babies don't need near as much salt as an adult would, you know, but they were making the baby food taste good for the mama because they knew she would buy it and feed it to her baby then. So the FDA, whoever those people are or whatever, FD something, maybe it's FedEx or something. I forgot who it was. <laughs> but they said you can't put that much salt in there anymore because the babies don't need it. So it's kind of bland tasting anyhow. But if we go out to eat, do you want to just have a little bit of milk and all these wonderful colors and flavors, you know? That's for infants. Spiritually, we want to have some solid food. Maybe it's a, a piece of baked chicken or barbecued or a steak or pork chop or maybe it's a lobster. Or you imagine what you would like. I'd rather have a piece of, big old nice piece of venison myself, you know. Some green beans and baked potato and, you know, all kinds of things. Man, I haven't had anything to eat all day either. It's like, wow. Spiritually, what are we feeding on? Is this what we're feeding on spiritually? And our spirit is just immature. We're, we're in infancy. So we're not able to access all the blessings of God that he wants us to have. Genuinely, he does. Anyhow, <clears throat> let's pick up here. So you can hold and cling to the high chair, or we can leave this stuff behind, and you can go for the high ground where all the blessings of Almighty God are at. So he says here in verse 13, this is uh, Hebrews 5.13, it says, For someone who lives on milk, is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. So if you don't know how to make right decisions, it means spiritually you're an infant. You've not reached maturity regardless of your physical age. He says, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Now, just think about it. Don't answer it out loud, but do you know how to do what's right? And then he says in verse 14, solid food is for those who are mature. Let me ask you that question. Are you mature? Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Do you have what this scripture is talking about here? The training, do you have the skill to recognize what's right and wrong. Children don't have that. If they see something, they're going to put it in their mouth. Whether it's good or bad, it don't matter. They're going to taste it first, you know. But see, we need to know the right from wrong. We need to have that spiritual maturity. We want to reach our full potential. We want all that God has in store for us. That's, that's what we want. <clears throat> Anyhow, let's go back to Proverbs 4. This is a powerful passage here. Proverbs 4, verse 20. It says, Dear friends, listen well to my words. Tune your ears to my voice. Verse 21 says, keep my message in plain view, especially at Easter. What's it say? Keep my message in plain view at all times because we need him all the time. We don't know what a day may bring forth. And we need the wisdom of God. We need a manufacturer's handbook so we can stay in tune with him. And you know what? A tuned car runs better. A tuned guitar sounds better. And we want to be in tune with the manufacturer, with Almighty God. So he says, keep my message in plain view. All, at all times, concentrate. He's talking about to think, to focus, to, to ponder this thing over. Concentrate. Learn it by heart. Learn it by heart. 
You ever memorize a scripture? One of the most valuable things that Susan and I have ever done is the scriptures we've hid in our heart, in our mind. He says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. It builds our faith. It strengthens us. He brings it back to our mind, you know, just when we need it. It turns on a light in the darkness. It genuinely does. So he's talking about paying attention so you don't miss the bus or miss the boat or whatever it is that you might miss. But to pay attention is what he's telling us here. Concentrate. Learn the manufacturer's handbook. If, if you're always tuning your car, you work on cars, you know how to gap the plugs or the points. If they still have points in them, most of them today don't, I suppose. But you know how to tune your car if it's something that's vital and you're working on it. And you keep it fine-tuned because it'll run better, much more efficient. All right, verse 22 here in Proverbs 4, it says, Those who discover these words, what's that word? Live. And then emphasis, really live. You see that? Those who discover these words, God's word, the manufacturer's handbook, live, really live, body and soul. They're bursting with, what's that say? Health. Health. Now let me read this to you out of the New Lifting Translation. And all the other translations are very similar. Listen to what it says. He says, don't lose sight of them. I'm talking about God's promises his words don't lose sight of them let them penetrate deep into your heart and you know how to get this into your heart there's two ways the gateways to your heart is your eyes and your ears whatever goes in your eyes and your ears gets into your heart and he says here don't lose sight of them let them penetrate deep into your heart for they the words of god they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body now, whatever your doctors advocate, you know, that's okay. But let me tell you, don't ever forget to add the best medicine. And that's his word, because he says all things are possible to those who believe. Let me just ask you here, beyond the show, and, and don't raise your hand if you're not absolutely positively convinced. But have you ever seen God work a miracle in your life? Raise your hand. Look around. You're telling me that God still works miracles? Yeah. Absolutely. And I tell you what. You can speed up that process and you can access the promises of Almighty God by reading the manufacturer's handbook because it produces faith. It changes things. It helps us to see the right and wrong. He helps us to get things right and, and to find his, his ways that are blessed. It's just saying, God bless me. God bless my ways. Find out God's ways. They're already blessed. That's just for sure. Absolutely. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. Anyhow, he says here in uh, verse 23 in the Message Bible, he says, keep vigilant watch over your heart. And the way you watch over or you guard your heart is by guarding what you see and what you hear. He says, keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. Hmm. Hold on to the high ground, not the high chair. And don't just cling to the, the milk that's in the bottle, you know. So you can go for the high ground if you want to. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34 says, Give your entire attention, your focus, to what God is doing right now. You go, God's doing stuff? God is on the move right now. He is on the move in your life, around you. He is on the move. And some of you have begun to recognize that God's on the move. You know, there are some people who don't even recognize that God exists at all. 
but he loves us and he's crazy about us. But it tells us in his word, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You've got to believe. You know, you had faith this morning. You believed that chair was going to hold you, didn't you? You didn't thoroughly examine it either. You just came in, plopped down, right? And you know what? We have faith in the almighty God. And he's a whole lot more reliable than that chair is, I'll tell you that for sure. Okay, so he says here, give your, Matthew 6, 34, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Learn his ways, learn his point of view, learn his perspective, and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. And when the outlook looks dark, Try the uplook. Look to him. Look to the high ground. Look to God. And he will help us through every little situation that we go through in life. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All scripture is God-breathed. It's given by divine inspiration. The word inspiration means God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable. This is profitable for instruction for conviction of sin, for correction of error. Now, so, well, I don't really like to correct people, you know. Uh, oh, really? You're from my mountain, okay? And there's people, uh, high in Oregon, I don't know, but there's a guy there, he's got a white cane with a red tip on it, you know? And he's going toward a cliff. Well, I, no, 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 don't, don't correct him, you know? He, he has the, the right to, to do what he wants. He's going toward the cliff. Would you correct a guy if he was getting ready to go to a cliff and he was blind? Because you love him. Not because you're being judgmental. Because you love him and you care about him. How many of you ever correct your children? Because you love them. You want them to learn how to make right decisions. You don't want them to walk off a cliff, you know. You don't want them to put certain things in their mouth that is very harmful toward them. And all. So we need to understand when God's word gives us a warning or correction, it's because he loves us. He's crazy about us. And he says here, all scripture is God breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error, and restoration to obedience. You know, if you don't obey the traffic laws, you'll lose your license. Once you learn how to obey the traffic laws, you get this wonderful freedom. You can drive anywhere you want, you know, as long as you follow the, the, the rules there. And he says, uh, restoration of obedience for training in, in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will. The scripture is so we'll learn to live in conformity to God's will, his ways and, and his thoughts, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably and with personal integrity and moral courage. So that the man, and this is talking about mankind, it includes women. He says, so that the man and woman of God may be complete. How would you like to be complete? Lacking nothing. So you'll be complete and proficient, you know, competent and, and skillful, gifted. He said, so that the man of God and woman of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted, and thoroughly equipped. <laughs> lacking nothing for every good work. I like those terms, outfitted, you know. I like hiking and backpacking, and I like to have, a, you know, my outfit. You know, I, I like to be thoroughly equipped, and I usually am. You ask my kids. If, and right now I'm trying not to be prepared 
for my adult kids, you know. But all through life up to this point, I had all my gear. I had survival gear, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I had enough for me and all my family, you know. And uh, she said, hey, I got that here. Let me, let me go. And it was like, it came a time when they could carry their own backpack and carry their own stuff and have theirs thoroughly equipped. But in life, don't you want to be thoroughly equipped for what you're going to deal with tonight, tomorrow, and the next day? We do want to. And he says, so that his word here, so that the man or woman of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work that lies before us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Don't be a clam. Wait a minute. Yeah, that's why I was talking about a shellfish. Don't be shellfish. Okay, hold on a second. Oh, okay, gotcha. Don't be selfish, you know. And you understand that, right? <laughs> this is me walking down the stairs. This is me opening the door. This is me closing the door. This is me changing my shoes. This is me tying my shoes. This is me having a bowl of cereal. Here is me pouring milk on it. Here is me picking up my spoon. Here is me putting my spoon in my mouth with cereal on it. You understand selfies? Can selfies ever be dangerous? All jesting aside. I've looked on uh, YouTube and several people trying to take a selfie on a cliff have fallen off the cliff and died. I was reading just this morning on a little news clip that came on my phone. I don't know why it came there, but there was a lady who got bit by a, uh, some kind of a jaguar, panther or something. It was at the zoo because she crossed over what she wasn't supposed to so she could get a selfie of her. And she got one okay of her with the animal's claws dug into her arm. Now, selfie is not the best way to go. Now, don't misunderstand me. I have some pictures, but I try to put people in my pictures. And maybe a fish or something like that, you know, along with it, you know. But the whole concept, and hopefully you'll remember that, it says don't be selfish. That's what he's saying. Don't be selfish. That's immaturity, to be selfish. Higher ground is when we're thinking about others. He said don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, you know. He says don't try to impress others, but be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. You know, and when you reach the high ground, what we should always be doing is trying to, hey, come up here. This is awesome. Help other people find the high ground. Oh, this is the, the view, the, 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 the perspective from up here. Oh, this is fantastic. This is wonderful. Come on up here with us. You know, it's not all just about us. So the high ground has a whole lot to do with others as we impact other people's lives. So don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interest. That's what Spiritual infancy is all about. Just about what I want. I want. I want. Don't look out for only your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Mm. And he had an attitude that was very humble and he thought about others. Genuinely did. Philippians 2 7 says, talking about Jesus, he gave up his divine privilege. For the high ground 
and to take us to the high ground, he gave up his divine privileges. You know, he emptied himself. The scripture says, you understand the emptying yourself, you know? That's not emptying. This is emptying yourself. Oh, boy, someone's had to clean up that mess. I don't know who's <laughs> going to do that. But he's talking about, you know, he's talking about emptying yourself. This is what Jesus did. Philippians 2, he says, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He had divine attributes. He, he's the son of God. And, and if you'll study this out in its proper context, Jesus did not operate on this earth in any way that you and I can operate. Because he emptied himself out. Never did he do a miracle until he was 30 years old when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that can fill us. I'm just telling you. That's just what the Bible tells us. He emptied himself out. So it says he gave up his divine privileges. He emptied himself out. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Born in a stable of all places. Wasn't really even welcomed as a king. You know, he was born in a stable. But let me tell you, his stable was high ground. It was high ground because he left it all to come here to rescue you and me. A government official who came into the president, President Abraham Lincoln's office, was startled to find the chief executive shining his shoes. Sir, he gasped, sir, surely you do not polish your own shoes. Of course, replied the humble president. Whose shoes do you polish? The greatness of a man is evidenced by his humility. Christ was humble. I think Abraham Lincoln was one of the best presidents we've ever had, you know. I really, I really love the guy, you know. Emancipation Proclamation, all things he did, you know. But he was a humble kind of guy. Humility leads to high ground. It genuinely does. Anyhow, in the words of an old Filipino saying... The higher the bamboo grows, the lower it bends. If you see a piece of bamboo that's 50 foot tall, boy, it can bend low and touch the ground. That's talking about bamboo, you know. In Romans 12, 16, it says, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy company of ordinary people, common folk. And don't think you know it all. Why? Because you don't. <laughs> Do you know people who think they don't? Don't look around when I say this, okay? But do you know people who act like they know it all? Don't don't look around, okay? Don't look around. But see, we don't all. None of us know it all. Even if we act like we do, we really don't. And humility will help us to be spiritually mature. So, can we, like this tall bamboo I'm talking about, can we lower ourselves? To serve. Common, ordinary, everyday kind of people like we are. Think about it. Spiritually, how tall are you? Think about this for a moment. How tall are you? Are you tall enough and flexible enough to serve? To serve others? Even if that includes children. Jesus said, you allow the little children to come unto me and don't you ever forbid them because Jesus wanted to bless each and every one of them. And that's high ground. When you're serving, 
That's high ground. Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, Jesus said, whoever wants to be a leader, you want to be a leader? Whoever wants to be a leader, you must, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you, become your slave. That's not a bond slave. Someone a, a love servant, a love slave. Verse 28 says, for even, Jesus is talking about himself, he's talking about his humanity, because he didn't do it himself. For even the Son of Man came not to be served. Some about himself, he says, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Hmm. The highest title that God allows in his kingdom you know, I should probably just wait tell you all that later, you know. Unless, anybody want me to tell you today? Yeah. Okay, only just one person to ask that. So the highest title that God allows in his kingdom, the highest title is, Oh, thou most mighty, wonderful king, right? No. Servant. It's the highest title you'll ever have in the kingdom of God. Your servant. You serve your family, you serve your community, you serve Almighty God, and you serve the people because you serve Him. That's the high ground. Jesus left His riches and glory to come here to serve us, to rescue us, to take us all to the high ground. Don't have time for that or that, but let me share one little story, an article, a true article with you. Tens of thousands of people make their home on the Manila garbage dump site. They construct, and you know, you know, uh, they've cleared out the dump now, but we support about 300 and some odd kids in Ethiopia who used to eke out their living from a garbage dump. We've been paying for all of their food, feeding them, established a church there, you know, what, five, six, some years ago. Anyhow, tens of thousands of people make their home on the Manila uh, garbage dump site. They construct shacks out of things others have thrown away. They send their children out early every morning to scavenge for food and other people's garbage to provide meals for the family. People actually have been born and raised and then raised their own families and died on that garbage dump and never gone anywhere else, not even into the city of Manila. There are Americans who also live on that garbage dump. They chose to leave their homes in America to live on the dump in order to share God's love with people who would never hear it otherwise. That's amazing, isn't it? As amazing as, as that is, God's word tells us that Jesus left his riches and glory. He left a place where they, the, the roads are solid, pure gold. You know, it's just building material in heaven, you know. But he left his riches and glory, his relationship with his father, and all that he had helped to create to come here because he valued you and me so much in you. He valued us so much, he left it all. Like those missionaries who left all the good stuff so they could go and help other people find the love of God. And I'm telling you, God's crazy about you. He loves you. And he wants you to reach maturity. 
He wants you to come alongside him and live your life in a God-honoring way. That's what he wants. Let's bow our heads if we could. Father, I thank you for these men and women in this room and those who are watching online right now. Those who are downstairs in our cafe, uh, I thank you, Lord, for each and every one. And Lord, I just ask that you would help us to mature. Help us to read your word. Help us to hide it in our heart. Help us to grasp the reality of it. Help us to access the high ground and get your point of view, your perspective in life. And Lord, you said in your word that you work all things together for good for those who love you and are called to your purpose. We want to access the high ground. We want to be dear and close friends of yours. Work within us here, Lord, we ask. As our heads are bowed, I want to ask you if you would join me again to reaffirm your faith in Christ. If you know him, would you join me as we reaffirm our faith? But if you're here today or you're watching online and you've never declared your faith in Christ, would you join me right now? He tells us the only step we need to take to allow him into our life is to confess with our mouth what we believe in our heart and that Jesus has risen from the dead for us. That's what he tells us. We're not saved by our works, but we're saved by our faith and our our believing what he said. So would you join me as we pray together? Would you pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I do believe that you love me. I believe you got a purpose for my life. And I want to reach my full potential. I want to lay hold of the high ground. I believe that Jesus died in my place. That's why he poured his life out. So he could give it to me. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And is knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus into my life as my Savior, as my Lord, as my friend, and as my King. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. And I choose this day to live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.